Hi, you're listening to Life Chat, the official podcast of Illinois Right to Life, and I am Amy Gerke, Executive Director of Illinois Right to Life. We are here today with Tom Usley. He is the Upper Midwest Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. Um, his territory covers Illinois and Iowa, and he, I believe, spends a lot of time traveling those two states, getting to know students and so forth. So we're going to learn more about exactly what he does. So welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. So um, this is actually fun. We've like met like ships passing in the night at a few events here and there. I think the first time we met was at the March for Life Chicago. It was, yeah. It was the day before and we've definitely seen each other Uh at events, but this is like really the time when we're, our souls are going to meet and say, hey, how you doing? And exactly. we'll, we'll be best friends by the end of Exactly. This. And everybody gets to listen in on it. Aren't you excited? <laughs> so anyway, so um, yeah, Tom has joined us today to talk about his work with Students for Life and also um, about being a guy in the pro-life movement, which um, because abortion advocates can be interesting, I'm sure brings with it its own set of challenges. So um, you grew up in Sierra Madre, California, mm-hmm. correct? In correct. The, in the Los Angeles area. So um, my daughter just moved to Los Angeles last year. And one of the things that she talks about is how like she is totally in the minority with her pro-life beliefs out there. How did you come to be pro-life growing up in LA? Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't always the case. I do technically say that I've been pro-life uh, my whole life. That being said, I do think um, that a great part of me, especially when I took on this job, realized that I'd been very lackadaisical in being pro-life because um, for a large chunk of my life, especially through high school, I was focused primarily on popularity, which is something that a lot of you know children fall into that mm-hmm. case at that age. Um, but I think that's very unhealthy when you're concerned so much with the opinions of other people, um, not even really what those people are, not just your friends. I was just concerned with you know, having everyone as a whole like me, so I mm-hmm. wasn't ready to speak up and really say anything, especially when it came to the pro-life cause. I might you know, throw in you know, occasional thought here and there, mm-hmm. but I never really did the work to be able to back up um, any case that I made. For the pro-life cause so i really never felt comfortable speaking about it or being an authority on it for people who were pro-choice mm-hmm. which was obviously very um pro- prolific um very common in california mm-hmm. definitely definitely well we were just talking um before we started recording um i actually grew up in the los angeles area too mm-hmm. my family lived there until i was about 12 and um yeah it's definitely um kind of another world out there. So you did a 180 when you went away to college. You went to Iowa State and majored in fire science. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Okay, so I am dying to know oh. how you ended up at Iowa State and moreover, what exactly fire science is. Yeah, this is, <laughs> people ask me, that's a degree. Um, <laughs> surely enough, uh, I didn't go into college really knowing what I wanted to do. I suppose technically I did. It's there's so many avenues to the story. Long story short, I started as an art major in college, mm-hmm. did a quick 180 from that, uh, realized about a year later that I wanted to work in the fire department, um, which is where fire science came in. They uh-huh. had a degree specifically for that. Um, and actually, part of the reason I went back to California 
was there was a college attached to a fire academy where they offered that major specifically for students mm-hmm. who wanted to go in and serve in a fire department. Um, the, that avenue didn't work out. Um, they have rigorous um, measures and you know high standards for their ca- cadets mm-hmm. for good reason. There are lives at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting, though, and it's always sort of I, I've questioned, like, well, what brought me towards that? Because I still like the idea of it. I'm quite happy with where I am now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea of service to the community is really something that I pride myself on, that mm-hmm. I you know, try to instill in many people that I work with. I did a lot of work with the confirmation group back in California. I was an assistant coach. Uh, for a short spell before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed working with people and really changing hearts and minds, trying to lead people to something better. But more than anything, instilling um, an obligation and a sense of duty towards our brothers and sisters. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty common thread among people in the pro-life movement. People with those ideals and values a lot of times end up in our line of work. So, mm-hmm. um, so. You were at, so what made you, well, was fires, well, you know, sorry, you started off as an art major, but why Iowa from California? Uh, I knew I wanted to see something other than California. I don't mm-hmm. know. I wanted to kind of find out who I was outside of the place that I'd known my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of my elementary school class went to high school with me as well. So I knew the same people from the age of six to 18. And there was something about that, that I always thought was kind of enclosing, kind of made me feel like, okay, well, they feel like they know me, but it felt like I had changed in that time, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really sure who I was, and I kind of wanted a clean break from people who knew me, and Mm -hmm. sort of a fresh start to see, okay, well, you know, what am I actually going forward with? Uh, And I attribute the people of Iowa State, and especially the church I was involved with, um, for a great part of why I became who I am today. I met so many young people who were not only going to church, but were actively interested in having their faith as a primary part of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I saw the genuine happiness that they found, you know, amidst all the parties, amidst all the drinking um, and everything that you typically get on college campuses. They were standing out with that genuine happiness Mm -hmm. that I think all of us want to find, but very few of us know where to find it. And the people I met there... I still consider lifelong friends. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and I totally get that. Um, uh, My family moved to Arkansas when I was 12, and I knew the same people all through middle school and high school, and everybody Mm -hmm. I knew went to the University of Arkansas. And I was like, no, I'm going to Oklahoma. I need to branch out on my own. So I didn't go too far, but... I I, I don't mean to be that person. I'm still getting used to the Midwest, but is there a great difference between Arkansas and Oklahoma? Well, Arkansas has hills, and Oklahoma doesn't. That's... Okay. (laughs) One has a musical, one doesn't. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and Oklahoma, of course, has the Sooners. I majored in journalism and football at mm-hmm. the University of Oklahoma. So it was a good time, Wonderful. as I'm sure Iowa State was as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, so I, I was reading your bio earlier today, and it sounds like it was, you know, during those college years that your pro-life beliefs and your, your uh, desire to speak out on them kind of came to the forefront. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so uh, ironic as it was, I wasn't very um, or at all involved with the Students for Life group at Iowa State. Um, I think I helped out with a tabling one time. 
and maybe went to one or two other events because my friends asked me to go. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I really wasn't involved. And I think the urgency of what it, you know, what abortion was actually doing, um, not just to our nation, but specifically to our campuses, colleges, high schools, because those are the people who are targeted by the abortion industry. That's where they profitize. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're going to go. Um, I really didn't realize the depths of how much of a grasp that abortion had on just the college culture, um, certainly in the high school culture as well. Um, but when people are going, um, you know, like I was thousands of miles away from home, mm -hmm. no one to, you know, say, oh, where have you been tonight? You know, people are going out and doing absolutely wherever they want. Um, and so many women won't actually confide in anyone if they did get pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. So many, it's just something that they feel like they can't talk about that they're going to be judged for. Right. And for a long time, that was something that it just didn't occur to me mm -hmm. how much was going on and really how much of an impact any person could have, um, especially when those people are your friends or your classmates or the people you see every day and they feel like they can't confide in you because, you know, they're, they fear judgment. Um, and so you know, part of my work um, is certainly trying to shift the culture, um, not just to shift the culture, but to really show that if you know where to look, there are those groups of support on campuses. We have, um, I think, close to 1,300 groups nationwide through high schools and colleges for that specific reason. And we have students who meet women who are in an unexpected pregnancy situation. And some of them end up choosing life. Um, our groups go on to you know, have baby showers for them to help mm -hmm. them through it, free babysitting. What college student doesn't want to take a break from studying exactly. to take care of some kids? Um, and so a part of it is changing the culture, but a part of it is also letting people know that we're already there and we're still looking to do better, but mm -hmm. we're here to help. That's awesome. So we are talking with Tom Usley. He's the Upper Midwest Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. And um, when we come back in just a second, we're going to talk about how Tom joined Students for Life and more about his work there. But first, I want to make sure everybody has heard about Illinois for Life. What's that? It is Illinois Right to Life's three-point strategic plan to help win our state back for life. We're using education, grassroots activism, as well as direct aid to uh, pregnant women and young families to win our state back for life. And we could certainly use everybody's support in this effort. I encourage all of you to visit IllinoisRightToLife.org forward slash Illinois for for dash life that's illinois right to life dot org forward slash illinois dash for dash life there you'll hear more about our specific plans to win our state for life and how you can help so uh don't delay illinois right to life dot org forward slash illinois dash for dash life so again we're talking with tom usley from students for life of america and um when we Wrapped up the last segment, we were talking a little bit about Tom's experience in college, and I think that's kind of similar to um, 
what happens to a lot of us. We see for the first time while we're out on our own exactly what abortion does to women and what it's done to our culture. And um, I was a lot like you. I grew up in a pro-life family, but I just never really did anything about it. And then when you see exactly what it's doing, you kind of have to do something. So um, what led you to join Students for Life? What happened after you graduated? How did you end up in the lovely Chicagoland area? <laughs> um, well, it was about two years after um, I was dismissed from the fire academy. Um, I was working at a job. Habitat preservation and restoration, um, what that means is I walked around the woods all day looking at plants. Mm -hmm. It was a fair job. Um, I appreciated that, you know, I had work throughout the pandemic um, because we were based outside, which is more than most people could say. I'm very thankful for that. Sounds like a good gig. Yeah. It was really not, you, you crank out a few audiobooks a week. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I couldn't really see where I was going with it, though. Um mm -hmm. There were issues with the company. Um, you know, the pay was adequate, but nothing to, you know, sell down and raise a family on mm -hmm. in California. Um, and I still felt that the main reason I went back um, career-wise was for the fire academy. Um, but I also went back for my family um, because I wanted to stay close to them. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, I didn't see myself staying there long term. Um, a couple other members of my family couldn't see that either. Some of us have uh, gone to other states now, myself included. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a while for jobs um, that were centered around service. Mm -hmm. I wanted some sort of, I wanted, I, I had time in my days when like coaching for me or working with confirmation students, high mm -hmm. schoolers, for me, that was something I did on the side. I didn't get paid to do it. Right. But I loved it nonetheless, because I could see the impact that my work was having. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that would be fantastic if I could do that as a paying job somewhere. Um, and I really looked towards a couple of different causes, um, some Catholic nonprofits that were hiring as well. And I was really thinking, you know, well, what do I, what kind of impact do I want to leave? Where are my efforts really needed right now? Um, and more than anything, you know, what does our society need? Mm -hmm. And as a whole, I think that there are a couple of things that as, you know, people, we all need to agree upon. There's a lot of things that we already do agree upon. Um, for instance, you know, uh, no matter, you know, your race, religion, gender, whatever it is, um, you're a person made in the image of God. Some of us believe that, some of us don't. But we mm -hmm. all agree that all people um, are inherently valuable, that all mm -hmm. people have value and the capacity co to contribute to our society. And I thought, well, that's something that is a non-negotiable for me. Right. I have atheist friends that I love to death. And I, I thought like, well, I could live with people, you know, not being Catholic. But if there's a group of people that are being taken advantage of, that are being abused, um, and in this case, murdered, mm -hmm. um, not to mention the women that are scarred by abortion. So there's two parties. There's over 2,000 abortions every day. That's not just 2,000 children lost. That's 2,000 women we weren't able to help that felt right. like they didn't have somewhere else to go. And I thought, well, that's, that's something that we all need to agree upon, mm -hmm. which is we need to agree upon the basic dignity and integrity of all human life, no exceptions. And mm -hmm. I saw um, the abortion industry as the main 
in our country, um, especially, that's the main inhibitor to us getting to the point where we value all people, um, regardless of who they are. No, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years now, and it's still just you know, it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that abortion is legal and there's this billion dollar industry that profits off the fear and heartache of women and the deaths of their children. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's, um, it's crazy. And it's amazing though, that people like you are willing to step up. So, um, how did you hear about the job at Students for Life? Um, I think at a certain point I was literally Googling pro-life pro jobs uh -huh. and I thought, okay, well, it's, I wouldn't have mind, minded staying in California if it was this sort of work. Um, I probably would have taken the job just like that if it had been, mm -hmm. um, which I was even hesitant to accept a job in Chicago because, I, I don't know, to me it was I, I only hear about Chicago on the news. And right, it, and it's nothing good. It and never seems to be great. I yeah. will say that the cities surprised me, in uh -huh. great, especially like the city city, like walking along the river walk. I. Personally, I think every city should have a river walk. Exactly. Let's, let's build them in the cities that are missing them. Um, but walkable cities, um, I really do enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and I've loved exploring Chicago. So Right. Well, no, and that's what I my family was so freaked out when I moved to Chicago. And I was like, yeah. you guys, y'all, it is really not that bad. Mm -hmm. I, you know, call me crazy. I absolutely love Chicago. I love Illinois. And I'm so glad I'm here. Right. I'm sure yeah. You feel the same way. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, those of you who aren't here, it's not that bad. Oh, man, I just did a Joe Biden whisper. I'll stop that. <laughs> anyway, so so what is a typical day like for you? Um, I love getting that question because I don't have – I like to give an array of what it could be. It could mm -hmm. be something um, as tedious as what, what we're doing right now since the school year has come to an end is um, what we call auditing. Mm -hmm. So we're calling up all of our student groups. I have uh, close to 90 high schools and colleges I work with across Illinois and Iowa. And we like to find out where they're at. Um, we like to, you know, just get in touch with them to hear, hey, you know, it's because we obviously have to split our efforts between a lot of groups. So right. we're not checking in every day, um, sometimes not even like every week. Mm -hmm. um, we always make it a point, like me and the other uh, regional coordinators make it a point to say, like, if you need anything, reach out to me. Otherwise, I'm going to reach out like when I have a free moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so some days are office days where you're just calling to find out where they're at, um, what we can do to help, um, because we offer an array of different things that we can do with campuses. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also like to just talk with them. Um, it helps to get to know them a bit, but to really find out what their goals are, mm -hmm. because each student group is going to be a little different. Each student group um, might have different goals. Some of them uh, might want to work legislatively to move their state closer uh, to the pro-life um, on the legislative front. Some groups like doing tablings on campus because mm -hmm. that gives us uh, the ability to interact with people mm -hmm. who both agree and disagree with us. Mm -hmm. uh, some people want to start a great place to start, I think, for any group, which I tell the groups that are sometimes struggling with what to do, is find a local pregnancy resource center. Um, do a fundraising bake sale. Do something like that. Gather donations, baby clothes, maternity clothes, whatever it might be, um, but really just get in touch with those places nearby and mm -hmm. let them know that you're there and that you want to help. That can be the greatest thing mm -hmm. for them to hear because a lot of them do rely on our um, financial support, um, on our donations, and more than anything on our just general support of being there to ask, what do you need and how can we help? 
Right, right. Well, yeah, and that's the amazing thing about Pregnancy Resource Centers. They do so much good, and they do it all on the generosity of people who care about life and want to see women succeed. So that's fantastic that Students for Life is um, is supporting Pregnancy Resource Centers as well. So um, the big question that I think everyone's wondering, being a guy in full-time pro-life work, especially on college campuses, some of the most rapidly pro-abortion places on earth, What's that like? I mean, we all hear what abortion advocates say, you know, no uterus, no opinion, blah. So what, what, I mean, what kind of pushback, if any, have you gotten? Um, it's interesting. It's, it depends on where you are. It depends on the students um, that are just passing by. You'll, you'll get some interesting comments. Um, but as far as the no uterus, no opinion one goes, um, I always find it interesting because if that's the case, then at all the Women's March rallies, at all the pro abortion rallies that we see i see a bunch of men there mm -hmm. so is it no uterus no opinion or because i have a certain opinion i'm not allowed to speak up exactly. because i happen to be a man but more than that um i don't bring that up necessarily when i'm speaking to students um i try to have like a civil dialogue with them i try to meet them and kind of help them see things from my perspective so i ask them okay so i've just given you an outline of why I'm pro-life. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me then, because you're discounting my opinion because I'm a man, are you telling me then that my opinion would be valid if I were a woman? Because the only things that I bring up when I'm speaking to people, it's never a personal or emotive um, argument that I make. It's always factual-based. Mm -hmm. And the facts are either the facts or they're not. But the conveyor, the person who's presenting the facts has no weight on whether or not they're true or not. So either what I've displayed to you is true and I just happen to be a man or it's false and I just happen to be a man. So speak to the facts, but the presenter has no impact on whether or not that's actually a valid argument. Mm -hmm. Truth is truth no matter who's saying it. Right, yeah. So Exactly. So we are talking with Tom Usley, uh, Upper Midwest Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the current moment in the pro-life movement and um, the big changes that could be coming. But first, with all of the changes that are likely coming and uh, the fact that we're on the cusp of uh, potentially a post-row America, it's more important than ever to know your pro-life facts, and Illinois Right to Life can help you do that. Our WhenDoesLifeBegin.com website will give you everything you need to know about just that, when life begins. Um, that's pretty much the core of the pro-life argument, the fact that preborn babies are fully human, unique individuals, and you can get all your facts straight at whendoeslifebegin.org. It's a database of both pro-abortion and pro-life resources outlining this critical debate. So don't miss it. Visit whendoeslifebegin.com today. So again, this is Amy Gerke. I'm the executive director of Illinois Right to Life. We're talking with Tom Usley of Students for Life of America. And um, as I said earlier, I've been doing this whole pro-life thing for, oh my gosh, over 30 years now, a really long time. And when I first started back in the late 80s, there 
none of us thought that we would ever see Roe versus Wade overturned in our lifetime. And as we record today on June 1st, um, we could see that coming at any second. So um, how do you think that's going to affect your work with Students for Life? What changes do you see coming? Well, if anything, especially if um, we are entering a post-Roe America, that just means that our work is all the more important. Um, we're going to look more towards, okay, now that this is back to the state level, it comes down to us in a much more personal way that we have um, a stronger duty to make sure that the resources we have are available to women, that they know about those. Um, but really that we, I think all of this sort of feeds back into a culture that has let down women for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I've just spoken a bit to why um, it's important for myself, like a man to be pro-life. Um, but we see it in every other instance too. In this culture, um, you know, it's people will discount my opinion for being pro-life. Um, I challenge you to bet anyone on the street. Okay, as far as absentee fathers, as far as like people who, let's say that a woman unexpectedly ends up pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and let's say that by all accounts, despite everything that, you know, um, this culture is telling her that, you know, she can't um, be like a working mother or she can't, you know, go to school and have a child. She chooses life. Who out of the many men who say, all right, well, I don't want anything to do with you or the kid. How, do you think that it's more often pro-choice men that get up and leave or pro-life men? Because I think that it's very clear that pro-life men are there to help, that we do really care, um, and we're not advocating for abortion because we see that it's a problem. Because um, if we really care about a friend, if we care about um, the woman that um, we love, that we're seeing, we won't let them do something to harm themselves. I'm sure you have friends that have said um, once in a while, you know, oh, this is, you know, it, if you're doing something that, you know, they think, hey, you know, I'm really concerned about you, you know, about X, Y, or Z, whatever it might be. I've had friends come to me and say, like, hey, I'm concerned about you in this respect. We mm -hmm. should talk about it. And I think that's what a real friend does. And so it really comes down to um, the impact that men can actually have on women who are seeking abortions. Uh, I think the percentage is about 61% of women who had an abortion said that the primary person that swayed their decision was the father. Right. And exactly. so when we look towards a post-Roe America, it really is important for men to begin to step up to really say, okay, I need to do right by this child. I need to do right by the mother mm -hmm. of this child because it's, this isn't just about me. This isn't something that you can get up and walk away from because we see that far too often anyway. And so if we're really going to change the shift um, and you know, bring people more towards a post-Roe America, we need to instill in men um, more of a duty to stand by um, and be accountable for your actions. No, absolutely. There's, you've probably seen it. There is a meme floating around social media. I think I've seen it both on Facebook and Instagram, but basically it says, women, if you are dating a man who gets you pregnant, encourages you to kill your kid, and then leaves, maybe think twice or something like that. And that's absolutely true. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., working for National Right to Life, a bunch of us were at a party one night. This is such a long story. I'll try and 
make it short. <laughs> but there was this, you know, typical, you know, kind of sleazy guy going around hitting on all the girls at the party. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as any of my fellow pro-life friends or I would say, oh, well, I work for National Right to Life, he would be... He would be gone. And so, Imagine that. Anyway, so he finally gets to my friend Carrie, who, you know, beautiful, wonderful pro-life girl. And he he comes up to her and says, hey, did you know that a lot of these women here work for National Right to Life? And she says, well, I do too. And then she says, you know, there's only one reason guys like you are pro-abortion. You want sex with zero responsibility. And that is exactly it's the exactly case. true. Yeah. So, it's such a shame, though, and it's it's interesting. All the psychological studies um, between the brains of men and women have concluded with one absolute fact, which is that men are typically more interested in things. Women are more interested in people, mm-hmm. which is very telling why um, women in relationships are typically much more um, emotive, want to actually connect on an emotional level. Exactly. And men just want sex and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a shame especially when i've known so many people who um women especially who have actually um decided or have been really pressured to sleep with the guy that they're dating with their boyfriend because they feared him walking away from her and going to someone else because he knows he can get it somewhere else and i think that's well first of all it's like okay well then he's he doesn't care for you as a person. You're exactly. you're a conquest that he wants. He just wants sex. He mm-hmm. looks at you as an object and not a person of value um, mm-hmm. with something to give. And that's such a shame, but that's, they, they all feed into each other. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, you know, that's, you know, this as well as I do, you know, that's the thing that's just so sad when women talk about abortion being empowering when in fact it just, you know, makes them, objects i mean it's so mm-hmm. you know so degrading and so many levels so um uh so what do you, you think the most important thing is for i mean you work in two very different states iowa could not be <laughs> more different from illinois um uh you know illinois by and large i really believe is a pro-life state i just think you know there's chicago and a couple of other areas that are really skewing Mm -hmm. you know what otherwise would be a very very pro-life state so that being said what do you think needs to happen in illinois once you know when and if roe is overturned well we need to really make this um a concern we have to meet where we can all agree um which at this point the the one thing that everyone uh, pro-life or pro-choice can agree upon is we need to support women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a question of how do we do that? And, you know, organizations like Planned Parenthood, as much as they claim to be pro-choice, um, I actually heard the president a week or two ago said that they're going with pro-abortion as their new tagline, which I really hope because that's very blunt and straightforward about mm-hmm. what they actually are because they don't offer resources for a woman who decides to choose life exactly there is one thing that they offer for women who are pregnant and if you don't want that if they give you a referral okay great but they're not there to help you and Mm -hmm. so it's we have clear opposition to that because we we don't offer abortion because we're firmly opposed to it but we don't claim to support both avenues we support one um and we try to do that to our best efforts and given that it's the one thing that we can all agree upon, which is, you know, we should support pregnant women, well, then we really need to see more people 
from the pro-choice side saying, you know, we're giving a lot of money to Planned Parenthood. Why aren't we giving more money um, to expecting mothers for maternity leave? These are all things that would be bipartisan agreed upon. Exactly. And so we really need to emphasize those first as an avenue to understand that the great majority of people um, are good people in Mm -hmm. this respect. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Um, When I'm talking to someone I've just met who's pro-choice, I never claim to know who they are. I don't pretend to know like exactly what they stand for or why they might be pro-choice. I try to meet them as a person. I've had fantastic conversations with people who um, were totally pro-choice. They haven't, you know, really changed their minds at all. But we parted as would-be friends. And, you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, you were really civil about this. I can tell you really care about that. Mm-hmm. which is more important than anything because the yeah. two greatest obstacles to really seeing that, oh, you know what? It's, we've had a lot of students say, oh, is, you're pro-life, but you're you're so normal. Like, you're, you're really <laughs> yeah. not. Well, you're not what I expected. And they expect us to be like a very, oh, you, look, I'm a man telling you what you can't do with your body. And it's, it's, that's never the case. The biggest hindrance is apathetic people and people who don't want to listen. So the people who are just shouting all the slurs just, right. you know, automatically jumping to you're a terrible person. And we see that from some people on the pro-life side, too. This is mm-hmm. just, this is a people issue. It's not mm-hmm. pro-life or pro-choice. So that's really something that we need to work on as a whole is just, look, let's sit down and have a dialogue. Let's talk about this. Um, and then apathetic people who just don't care enough. Um, a lot of men are apathetic because they don't care about the actual issue. They just want to get laid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this with, uh, we attended um, a pro-abortion rally, um, first off, to promote pregnancy resources, um, to let people know that we are there mm-hmm. to support women. Um, but one of my students, she had a sign that said, I'm pro-life, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And no one, no one came up to speak to us. One person came up to jeer at us. One person, like, asked a question and then walked away. But there's never that sort of invitation to open dialogue from people who are pro-choice and i think that's very interesting because i love when people say hey i disagree with you let's talk about it because yeah, exactly. w- you need to challenge yourself in some respects in life that's the only way that we can really guarantee that we are on the side of righteousness on the side of truth is just having those dialogues challenging our beliefs exactly no i couldn't agree more on that and um well, yeah, and that's how we know what we believe is the truth. I mean, because the truth will, you know, always stand. And so, yeah, it's so important to talk to people. And I'm sure you've had this experience, too. Once you really start talking to people who identify as pro-choice, they quickly realize that they have a lot more in common with us than they do mm-hmm. with the pro-abortion side because the vast majority of people don't want abortion after three months of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They um, completely support things like parental notice of abortion. They completely support um, informed consent and waiting periods, and they want women to have real choices. And mm-hmm. when they learn that, hey, this is what we're supporting, and the abortion industry is just selling abortion at any time for any reason, they're like, oh, wait, so... Yeah, Yeah. that dialogue is so, so important. There's so much that we agree upon, and it gets lost in all the slander and everything that's thrown out, everything that people are told, and it's we just become this boogeyman to them. Exactly. Where it's, ooh, pro-lifers? It's like, 
I have the absurdity to believe that all lives have value, no exceptions. I don't care who you are. And, you know, 96% of biologists, thank you, Dr. Steve Jacobs. Uh Um, 96% of biologists out of a Mm 5,500 biologist study concluded that life does begin at conception. And I'm not going to be the person who starts divvying up, okay, well, maybe they're all humans, but are they all people? That's that's never gone well in mm-hmm. all of our human history. Mm-hmm. No, exactly, exactly. So um, we've been talking with Tom Usley from Students for Life of America. Um, so what's coming up with Students for Life? Any events that we need to know about? Uh, yes, so the uh, closest one, we're still not sure when this would be because it all depends, um, but the Saturday after we hear the verdict from SCOTUS on Roe v. Wade, there will be our Students for Life hosted event, Life is Louder. We're encouraging all students, all pro-life people, organizations um, at your capitals, um, state capitals. We'll have someone from Students for Life at each capital across the nation um, to be there to let legislators know whichever way it goes. We're going whether it's overturned or not, mm-hmm. um, but to let them know that the pro-life cause is alive and well. Um, to let them know that we do care um, about what comes next, whatever that might be. Um, for more information on that, uh, studentsforlife.org slash life is louder. There will be uh, information there. And coming later this summer, we are attempting to really reach out to the church communities. Um, about one in, or, uh, believe, I believe, four out of ten women who actively seek abortions are current churchgoers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really want to make sure that we're reaching out there and you know, having churches uh, really show that they are here to support women uh, through their pregnancy. They're not there to you know, pass judgment. Um, they're there to be supportive, as the church calls us to be. Um, so our event, Standing With Her Sunday, um, at standingforhersunday.org, uh, excuse me, um, that'll be, I believe, August 28th. It'll be a virtual event um, where different churches, um, church groups, respect life groups, um, and anyone can really reach out um, to listen in. There will be a lot of great speakers, a lot of um, church um, and political leaders um, to show how we can support our pregnancy resource centers, um, how we can be supportive ourselves through our church communities to let women know um, that we're here for them uh, should they choose life. Awesome. Those both sound like wonderful events. So um, again, we've been speaking with Tom Usley from Students for Life. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Amy. This has been great. Awesome. So you have been listening to Life Chat. Uh, Speaking for myself and the rest of the team here at Illinois Right to Life, we want to thank you for joining us today. Um, If you have any feedback on our show or there are any guests you'd like to see us have on, please don't hesitate to email us at info at illinoisrighttolife.org. That's info at illinoisrighttolife.org. Thanks again, and don't forget to follow us on social media, and we will see you next time on Life Chat.